morning everyone and welcome to today's online service. It's the last Sunday in our sermon series on overcoming fear. And while this has been a time of fear for a lot of people, for most of us actually, I just want to remind you today that God is with us. He truly is and He's here to sustain us and strengthen us until we can all come back together again. So we want you to hang in there, reach out to us if you need to. If you have anything that we can help you with or if you have a prayer request, please do not hesitate to reach out. We want to also remind you that our annual business meeting is scheduled to take place on Wednesday, March the 31st at 7.30 p.m. So continue to check your email folders for our weekly updates and follow us on social media. We hope you have a wonderful rest of this Sunday and you enjoy your week. God bless.
God, for your love. Never fails and never gives up 
reading is found today in 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 to 21. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God. God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. May God bless his word. Hi there. February could be a difficult month for many of us. The weather is cold, 
the daylight hours are reduced, and most of us are confined to being inside our homes due to the COVID pandemic. Personally, I am longing for the weather to warm up, for the hours of daylight to increase, and for some freedom to move around just a little, even if it's literally only in my own backyard. As a family, we love spending time in our backyard when the weather warms up. We relax out there, we read out there, we work out there, we cook and eat most of our meals in the backyard, we sit out until after dark, and sometimes we even eat s'mores. There was one particular warm, beautiful, starry summer night when Jennifer and I were sitting alone outside, relaxing and chatting. Suddenly, there was a look of terror in Jennifer's eyes, and she yelled, skunk, and ran into the house faster than I'd ever seen her move before, locking the patio door behind her. I guess she thought the skunk might be able to open the door and follow her in. Well, sadly, I was on the skunk side of the patio door, pounding on the glass for her to unlock the door and let me in while she stared at the skunk with glazed eyes. Fortunately for me, she did eventually unlock the door in time for me to escape my encounter with Pepe Le Pew. While this story is humorous in hindsight, it was disillusioning at the time. How could this woman who claimed to love me more than anyone in the world, who stood before God and our family and friends and promised to stand by me for better, for worse, richer, poorer, sickness and in health and during sudden skunk visits to love and to cherish till death do us part, how could she not only abandon me in a moment of crisis, but barricade me from safety? Well, the answer to that question is fear. Fear is a powerful emotion that can cause us to act irrationally, even disregarding love. Fear and love are not compatible companions. Today is the final message of our sermon series entitled Overcoming Fear. And so on this Valentine's Day, the day that we celebrate love, we'll be considering 1 John chapter 4, which reinforces the message that love overcomes fear. And we will see today that God's love for us takes away our fear and allows us to love others the way that God loves us. In our scripture, the author provides us with three very important truths about love that build on or flow out of each other. However, the author does not take a straight line from one thought to the other. He sort of jumps around a little bit. And so my goal in the few moments we have this morning is to simplify this progression that he lays out in this chapter. First of all today, God is love. These three simple yet profound words are found twice in our scripture today. Now, understanding what it means that God is love is very important for us. This sentence not only declares that God acts in love, but that God is love. 
that God is in his very nature love. It's who he is. Generally speaking, our understanding of love is usually linked to feelings and emotions that we may have for another person. Now, this understanding obviously limits our ability to understand God's love. In the original Greek language, there are four different words used for love that are either directly listed in Scripture or the idea of them are referenced in Scripture. The first is eros. This is romantic love, feelings and emotions between two people who love each other. It is the root where we get the English word erotic from. Second, there is philia. This is friendship or brotherly love. It means caring about or for another person, but not in the romantic sense. Then thirdly, there's the Greek word storge. And that's love within the family unit amongst family members. And fourthly, agape. This is the word that is used to describe God's love, and it's the word that we find in our scripture today. Agape love, the way God loves, is different than the other types of love that we've referenced. First of all, agape love is unconditional. It's not earned. It cannot be earned. It's not based on being deserving of it. God loves us unconditionally because it is who he is. Secondly, agape love is limitless. There are no boundaries separating who God loves from those God does not love. There is no maximum amount of love that one can receive from God. There's no limit. Our limitless God, who is love, loves without limit. And thirdly, agape love is selfless. Agape love is others-oriented, unselfish. It embraces sacrifice for the benefit of another. Now, what the author is telling us in this scripture today is that God is love, and the love that he demonstrates towards all of us is unconditional, limitless, and selfless. In fact, the author provides an example to back up this argument. He says, this is love. This is how God showed his love. How? He sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world to die for us and for our sins so that we can live. Mankind's current condition without God is described in the Bible as death. But mankind's condition through the sacrifice of Jesus is described in the Bible as life. And so there is no greater example that can be cited of agape love, of unconditional, limitless, selfless love than the love of God demonstrated in the sacrifice of Jesus, because God is love. Secondly, we love God. The desired response to the love of God is to accept God's love, accept the offer of life versus death. And when we do that, our scripture today says that God lives in us and we live in him. What does it mean to accept God's love? How would one practically accept 
God's love. What does it mean that God will live in them? What does that even mean? Well, our scripture gives us insight to these questions. It says, if anyone acknowledges, believes, confesses, if you will, that Jesus is the Son of God, God will live in them. Acknowledging, believing, confessing is not just speaking something that you believe to be true. It actually means to believe in something that in turn affects how one lives their life. They not only affirm information, truth, but they experience transformation, change, as they now live their lives in obedience to God. Now, our scripture also says that God gives the one who acknowledges Jesus his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who provides that inner conviction and affirming that we actually are children of God, that we are in right relationship with God, that God dwells in us and that his love is actually transforming us. The Holy Spirit in us empowers us to live in obedience to God's love and to assist us to carry out the things that are beyond our ability to do on our own, in our own strength. The Holy Spirit in us changes us so that we can become more like Jesus in our actions, in our attitudes, and in our speech. The result of the love of God in us, which our scripture describes as perfect love or complete love, says drives out or defeats the fear in our lives. One who has experienced God's love can face the future with confidence. The one who has experienced God's love does not have to be afraid of God, does not have to be afraid of judgment. Because we love God, the love of God in our lives drives out fear. The completeness of love is confidence in one's relationship with God. Thirdly, we love others. The final response in the progression of God's love is for those who have experienced God's love to demonstrate God's love to others. Our scripture says this, we love others because God first loved us. This point the need to love others with the love of God, is the main focus of this scripture. The author states here, since God demonstrated his love to us by sending his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin, we must also love one another. If anyone loves God, they must also love others. Period. Now these are clear strong statements that leave no room, no room for negotiation. In fact, our scripture says, whoever does not love others does not love God. Confirmation of one loving God is a demonstration of a love for others. Our scripture today references the issue of seeing God twice in this passage. In the first reference, it addresses the point that no one has ever visibly seen God, yet God is seen in the lives of those who love others. In other words, God is seen by others 
in the way that you love others and love God. In the second reference, it addresses the point that one cannot claim to love God, but then not love others. In fact, it says, the one who claims to love God, but does not love others, is a liar. Wow, that's strong language. The scripture says, it is not possible to love God whom they have not seen with their eyes if they don't love those around them that they do see with their eyes. And so our scripture ends with a command from God. Anyone who loves God must love also love others. Anyone who loves God must also love others. In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34, we read the words of Jesus to his disciples, and these words that we read mirror the words that we have considered in our passage today. Jesus said to them, A new commandment I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, I find it interesting that Jesus calls this command to love one another a new command. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, we read the words, love your neighbor as yourself. This command had been a part of Jewish society from the very beginning. These disciples would have been very familiar with this idea of loving your neighbor, and they would have been taught and raised on it. But what makes it new is that Jesus takes it to a new practical level when he says, as I have loved you. Jesus is giving them a practical example, a practical interpretation of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another. True love is to be demonstrated in the same way that he demonstrated it. Well, how did he demonstrate his love? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.24 that he personally, Jesus, carried our sins in his body on the cross. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. As I have loved you means loving like Jesus loved. Agape love with humility, sacrificial, unconditional, limitless, selfless. I believe loving like this has been a challenge for many in the North American church culture. A church culture that sometimes pursues and justifies greed and materialism under the banner of God's blessing. A church culture that sometimes takes a very hard line between who is genuinely entitled to receive God's love and acceptance 
and who isn't. A church culture that sometimes, instead of calming the fears of society, in fact, incites fears through the propaganda of conspiracies and a misrepresentation of scripture. A church culture that is more concerned at times with carrying on their own so-called religious rights and freedoms without concern for those who are most vulnerable or society as a whole. These things are driven by fear, not love. Fear. Fear of not having all the things we want and fear of not having what others have. Fear of what might happen if we open our hearts and our churches to those whose lifestyles we deem to be sinful because we're afraid of what might happen. Instilling fear in others in order to manipulate things the way we think they should go. Fear of not knowing how to be followers of Jesus without a familiarity of the religious systems that have been so central to the practice of our faith and liturgy for so long. May I remind us all today that the majority of the New Testament focuses on how we are to live our lives as followers of Jesus outside of the context of a worship gathering, and much less direction is actually given about what we are to do and how we are to do it when we come together. Yet somehow, the priority of gathering has far surpassed the priority of loving like Jesus and living in obedience to him outside our gatherings. Now, don't get me wrong. I value gathering. I miss gathering. I'm looking forward to when we can get together again. But I hope in this crisis that we have learned that the ability to gather is not the greatest priority in a life of following Jesus. That the ability to live for him outside of our gathering, loving a world that is in crisis, is of far greater value. We cannot know God by withdrawing from the world. We know God when we are engaging the world and loving the world. That's when we know God best. And so in conclusion today, the natural progression of love is this. God is love and he loves us unconditionally, unlimited and sacrificially. We accept God's love by accepting Jesus and living our lives in obedience to him, resulting in the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in us and all fear being driven out of our lives. Then those of us who have experienced God's love demonstrate in turn God's love to others. We love others because God first loved us. God's love for us takes away our fear and allows us to love others the way God loves us.
Thank you for joining us today. If we can be of assistance to you, please do not hesitate to email us or call us and we'll respond to you as promptly as possible. May God bless you and have a great week ahead.